Hi everyone, welcome to Coffee with the Queen. I'm Nicole. And I'm Cindy. And this week is part two of Cindy Hits the Street with questions about coffee. So today Cindy is going to share everything she learned with individuals who kindly participated in her coffee interview. Thank you, Nicole. So yeah, I figured we could start with a quick catch up and remind you of what we covered last week. So in last week's episode, I introduced you to our five volunteers. Mm -hmm. Two of them see themselves as novices. They love coffee, but they're not that knowledgeable about it. Two see themselves as enthusiasts, meaning that they have some knowledge about coffee, but they're not experts. And then one wonderful volunteer sees himself as very knowledgeable, and he is, about coffee. And he shared some of his knowledge with us. They generally drink two or more cups a day. And as we learned last week, they're pretty savvy about coffee. They are pretty savvy about coffee. I think, you know, looking at the scope of coffee that interests them, depending on the way they brew, each individual demonstrated that they are very conscious drinkers. So they're paying attention to the texture, to the type of coffee, to the aroma, and to other coffee characteristics that are important to them, whether it be temperature, viscosity, flavor notes. So yeah, I would say for the way that they're brewing and the type of coffee they're enjoying, they were all knowledgeable and conscientious drinkers. Yeah, and I think it's amazing that you just said, and the way they're brewing. In this episode, we're going to turn more to information that is related to bean-specific characteristics and to brewing. Okay. Okay, so if you're ready, we'll just get on with the interview. I'm ready. Let's see. I always feel like it's going to be a little bit of a litmus test, but let's see. <laughs> see how we, how we do today. Okay, so I'm going to play the first question. Okay. What do you think distinguishes a strong cup of coffee from a weak cup of coffee? And I'm going to continue as we did before. I'll play the answers and identify which drinker is responding. And then you can jump in if you have something to say. Okay. Uh, I had always thought the amount of caffeine, but I don't know if that's true. So that was one of our novices. That's a good reply. Okay. The flavor, to be honest with you. And, and I can't explain it. So, for example, I know I don't know if you're going to be talking about actual other companies on your podcast. I think, for example, Dunkin'. I mm. despise Dunkin'. I feel like that is the they are the equivalent of brown water. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when I drink Starbucks, I just feel like it's thicker. I don't know how to explain that. I just feel it tastes thicker to me. Okay. Um, and it fe- you, I just feel like I can. If I were to pick up a coffee bean and chew it, that's what the coffee would taste like, and that's what I would want in my coffee. Mm-hmm. I want it to. I want it to have all of those flavors. Despite me not actually liking strict coffee flavor, I love when it has all of that. You want to taste something. Yes. Okay. So I want to play our other volunteers before we talk about it. Yep. But a little recap. So the first person. Okay said that she thought the amount of caffeine has something to do with the strength of coffee. The second person who's a flavored drinker, Mm -hmm. she said that it shouldn't be brown water, essentially. And so now I'm going to go on. Okay. Uh, To me, the difference is just the taste itself. Literally strong versus weak. I would consider most coffees you get at, say, a deli or a coffee cart probably would be what I consider a weak coffee typically a bit watery, uh, maybe not very flavorful. 
And uh, what I make myself is a stronger coffee, a French roast or an Italian roast, because I enjoy the stronger flavors. So then you're saying it's because of the bean itself? Yeah, I would think so. And also how it's made. Okay. 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 And our second enthusiast? Okay. Uh, aside from taste, I'd say like if I feel like it has a lot of uh, caffeine content, if it like gives me a jolt when I drink it. What do you mean taste? I guess, again, I'd come back to, like, a strong taste, like, um, I don't want to say bitter again, but sort of, like, more intense coffee flavor, if that makes any sense. And, of course, our aficionado. Okay. Strong from weak. I think for me is the, the you know, the complexity in the body of it. A Folgers is just going to be like, drink it, and it's, it's like drinking water, you know. <laughs> if I drink... El Salvadorian, it's just like, oh, wow, this is, you know, it's chocolatey, it's earthy, it's it's got all these things going for it, right? So before we get into discussing this, I'm just going to point out again that there are a lot of terms that people use just because they don't necessarily know the right way to describe what a process is. And it seems to me that when we talk about strong or weak, people are using caffeine and boldness as well as brewing. And so now I'm going to let you define for our wonderful listeners what exactly defines a strong or weak cup. Okay, so strength so it has nothing to do with the coffee bean itself. It isn't a bean characteristic. It is absolutely a brewing characteristic that directly results from your grounds to water ratio. So it, it is very interesting to hear how people describe strong. I think to your point, it's a very common word in the English language. It can mean many things. Applied to coffee, though, it only relates to the grounds to water ratio, which can or cannot translate into mouthfeel or texture. And it's definitely not caffeine. We had one individual in there who also described it as a flavor. Right. Actually, too, I believe that described it as flavor is not a flavor either. So the individual who spoke about the dark roast is actually just talking about a roast profile. So that taste that you get that, I guess, seems strong, which some people might call bitter, some people might call bold. Bold, um, yes. That's a big one. Yeah, which really, again, that that's completely subjective. For bold, when we talk about bold, we just it's an intense upper notes right taste that's yes of, well, of dominating it can be upper or lower notes it's just a very dominating note which would be very bold so spice notes can be very bold which you might be getting in a dark roast or bitter notes or something for the individual brought up the el salvador that was very interesting that that's like he used flavor for a description of strong because that just he's just picking up on the flavor notes so he's picking up on pronounced flavor notes which are actually for the coffees he mentioned, and the he's also the individual who likes the Peabody, I believe, he probably likes brightness and acidity. From our perspective, strength is only grounds to water ratio. Right. Which is very confusing <laughs> for, I think, many people who don't pay attention to that, or if they're drinking out of a carrig, where it's harder to control that ratio. But remember, you can perceive that as strong, but just remember, if you go into a coffee shop and you're saying, I want strong coffee, they're going to think you want it to be brewed with a larger grounds to water ratio, not that you want a bold cup. Yes. That's why you should know the words you're using. 
Absolutely. If someone came to me and said, I want a strong coffee, I'd be like, okay, well, which coffee do you want? Right. And I would just increase my grounds to water ratio. And remember, we're not criticizing. These people are describing their preferred cup. We're just trying to clarify the words you would use if you were ordering your coffee in the shop, for example. Yes, no criticism at all. I mean, I wouldn't expect people to know these terms outside of the coffee world. I'm trying to think of something else. Like you say things to me all the time that are techie, and I'm like, what are you talking about? That's not the word I know. I use tech words. I even use them in yoga. It's crazy. Like I have other yoga teachers saying kludged, which is a word we use when you sort of put a Band-Aid on some software code when you're fixing it. You kludge it together. Like you sort of just fix it. So I have yoga teachers saying, don't kludge your posture or whatever, because <laughs> I talk tech. Yes, I don't talk tech, but I was going to say in a more probably relatable example to everyone, I was trying to get my mom to listen to a podcast about catfishing the other day in the car. It was just captive audience, so I played it. Oh my God, I wish I was there. We all know what catfishing is, but then about five minutes in, she was like, how does this have to do with catfish? Oh, I, I wish like, I was there. Oh. I love that. <laughs> and I realized she didn't know what catfishing was. So she thought I was talking about catfish and I was making her listen to a podcast about fish. So that's fantastic. We don't expect anyone to really know these terms unless they have studied coffee or they're really in the coffee world. And I think they gave really good answers. Fantastic answers. For anyone in the coffee world who is speaking to them, trying to figure out what they'd like in a coffee, their descriptions were detailed enough that we'd be able to tease out what they were actually speaking about. This is very informative for both sides of the equation, for the coffee drinker and for the coffee server. If somebody tells you they want a strong coffee, you you might need to ask a few more questions. Yes, because I think the key thing to remember is a strong coffee could be a light roast, a medium roast, or a dark roast. It can be brewed in any method, and it can be any coffee. So it's just, there is no one coffee that will be strong or weak. So you could have a very weak espresso. People think espresso tends to be strong because it's um, a pressure brew, but you could actually have a very weak espresso. You know, Nicole, you're reading my mind. We're going to get to that soon. Okay. All right. (laughs) But I I think we have a few questions before we get there, I think. Okay. I think. But let me play the next question. Okay. Do you think that, for example, then a dark cup of coffee is stronger than a light cup of coffee or vice versa? I used to think a dark, bitter cup was stronger, but a friend of mine has told me that that is not correct. (laughs) Not necessarily. Okay. I'm okay. guessing it would be more of how it's used. Uh, generally, yes. Okay. Mm, I, I wouldn't base it on the color. It would be more of a taste thing, I think. Probably more times than not. I, I think, uh, it, but it could be a little misleading. Um, I, I, you can't really go off look alone. Um, I know that, you know, sometimes how it's brewed, it might come out a little bit darker, but it could have a extremely smooth and uh, approachable profile to it. It's all in how you brew it, and it's all how, you know, how you, uh, yeah, it's all in the preparation, I think. But, you know, more, you know, if you do, if you do get like a an espresso roast or Italian roast, yes, that is certainly going to be, it's going to be dark, it's, it's going to hit you in the, in the mouth. Okay, so based on the answers before, that's why I followed up with the question, is a dark coffee stronger? 
And for some of our interviewees, they were able to pull out, it depends on the, the way it's brewed. They were, which is good. It's a good example of how you can tease the answer out, right? Yes. And just to recap too, we all now know that a dark coffee is not necessarily stronger than any other coffee. Okay. <laughs> so yes, to re I'm thank, thank you for the recap because that was my follow-up question. But it was interesting yes. because it did lead to the more or less brew becoming an issue in whether or not it's stronger or weaker. Yes. Yes. And I mean, not, I would say less often than not color can be an indicator too. But if you see a cup that looks like really it would be texture. If you see a cup that looks just thick and heavy, like you could put a spoon through it. Yeah. And like syrupy. Come up with a heap. Yes. Of coffee. That's going to be a strong muddy coffee. Like that. It's probably just going to be muddy at that point. So color can, I wouldn't say color, but the visual can give you a sense of how heavy or how strong the coffee is. I mean, the, the visual is going to give you a sense of both things, I yes. feel. It's going to give you a sense of, oh, that must be a dark roast that's brewed there. Or, oh, that must be a really heavy brew. Yes. I've also encountered a lot of people that if they see a very dark cup, they think, oh, that's a strong coffee. <laughs> yes, that's, I, I feel like that is a very common perception. Right. You hear that very often. And the answer is that not necessarily so. Not necessarily so. Okay. So this is going to be a little bit of a gear switcher now with the next question. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. What does it mean to you? This is a slightly different kind of question. Oh, look. <laughs> but if you go to buy your coffee and the bag says that it's a single origin coffee. This is a guess, but just that it all comes from the same place or country. Maybe not the same exact farm, but same country. Um, <laughs> I would guess single origin would be just from one, like straight from wherever it was grown to processed and that's it. Like not anything, anything else, but I'm not, I honestly, that's a, just a guess. Okay. Those were our two novices. Okay. Uh, I think that means it comes from a single farm or a okay. single source. I think that means that all the beans come from the same place. And our two enthusiasts, middle of the roads. Okay. Uh, it comes from one one specific area, vineyard, you know, not vineyard, but, uh, you know, one growing area. Okay. So okay. pretty good answers. Pretty good sense of what that means. Good. Yeah, yes. And I think this is actually one of the trickiest words in coffee in terms of descriptors because it's something that we wouldn't think to question or look into, but actually single origin means that all of the beans within a particular bag of coffee come from the same region within a country that's going to have very similar growing conditions and the beans are going to have very similar characteristics, but they do not need to be from the same farm. Right. They do not need to be from the same lot, which that would be all the beans coming from the same lot would be considered a micro lot. And they, you know, they don't even need to be from adjacent farms. So they just need to be from the same region. So if we were talking about the U.S., they would just need to be from New England or they would just need to be from the Southwest. Yeah. I was if we were in the U.S., they're from Hawaii, right? Yeah. Or Hawaii. Yeah, no, I was just <laughs> trying to break it down for people who, you know, like New England is a place that we talk about. It's a distinct region, but it encompasses numerous states. Same thing with the Southwest. So you can have that with coffee, particularly 
I would say with uh, countries like Brazil, Colombia, Peru, where they have extensive growing regions that span multiple regions or departments within the country. I think we did a nice discussion about this. We talked about single origin. We talked about uh, micro lots. We talked about a state. We did. Yeah. Different podcasts many years ago. Many, long, long time Feels ago. Feels like many years ago. But it's a it's sort of a confusing topic. It's a very confusing topic. I think the term we also have a blog about it, a blog that describes single origin coffees versus micro lots, co ops, estate coffees. So I mean single origin is a region, so all the beans are coming from the same region. Yes. Within single origins there's micro lots, there's estates. There's yes, smaller. There's individual farms. Yes, right. so like a, a region would be Chiquimilla in Guatemala, but that would be a single origin coffee. Those coffee beans that are in that bag of single origin Guatemalan Chiquimilla could be from five different farms. Well, it's interesting to me. I got a question a few days ago about Jamaican blue coffee. Okay, Jamaican blue mountain. Blue Mountain, right, Jamaican Blue mm-hmm. Mountain. And I asked him, do you know where the coffee was grown? And he kept saying Jamaican Blue Mountain. <laughs> so, yeah, so all well, all Jamaican Blue has to be grown on Jamaican Blue Mountain, but there are many, many farms on Jamaican Blue Mountain. Right. So there, there's Robusta, there's Arabica. Right, at different um, altitudes. At different altitudes, and right. there's different farms with different practices. Jamaican Blue is a single origin, but there are many different farms on the mountain that produce many different kinds of coffee okay i just think that it's you know single origin is a very interesting term in the coffee world because it's used as sort of a supreme marker of what a quality coffee would be but it within that if you dig deeper it is pretty vague even though you can have a single origin coffee most people couldn't pinpoint exactly where their coffee came from it's not like drinking a micro lot coffee or an estate coffee where you can zoom in on a farm and say, this is where my coffee came from. And it was grown by this family. I would like to make a point about this because, I mean, if you're really into your coffee and what you're drinking, this is why it's a good idea to have a relationship with your roaster because your roaster is going to be able to tell you how the farm, where your single origin came from, or the series of farms or the collection of farms, Mm -hmm. how their quality assurancing their beans. Yeah. How they're processing their beans. Because, yeah. for example, this Jamaican blue bag that my friend got, there was no information on the bag whatsoever. And that's very common. Right. <laughs> so, um, And it could be that it was people who pooled their beans. So it could even be sometimes small farmers that have very small plots will pool their beans. And so all you get is a single origin coffee, but it would be very hard to go back and say it came from this farm and this grower because you could have beans from 20 different growers. Okay, so I'm still on this sort of bean discussion and we're going to talk a little bit more about the coffee bean itself. So you want to go on to the next question? Let's do it. So do you know if there are different types of coffee beans? That I think I'm aware of, yes. Okay, so I'm going to follow that up then and say, do you know what the difference between Robusta coffee and Arabica coffee is? No. I did not know there was more than one type of coffee bean. Okay, those were our two novices. Okay, that's fair. Okay, so do you know the difference between Robusta and Arabica coffee? I do not know the differences between them, no. Have you heard those two names, though? I have. Okay. I know Arabica. I see it on, like, almost every coffee package I ever 
see in the market in the market. That, that's good to hear, but you, you, you don't know what robusta, you haven't heard that word? Mm-mm, no. So that's interesting. Those are our two, I call them coffee enthusiasts. Yeah. So I'm glad that our second one there is getting Arabica coffee. Yeah. That's great to know. I think that actually just brings up a good point that it's the only one worth noting. Like you really wouldn't note that, hey, I'm drinking robusta. So <laughs> the fact that he noticed it does does say something. Even if he doesn't know what it means. That's great, but would he notice if it didn't say it? <laughs> I think he might because he notices that it says it, so but maybe not. So I'm gonna stop there with the difference between Robusta and Arabica because our aficionado already indicated to us that he knows the difference. Okay. Okay. So now let's talk a little bit about Robusta and Arabica coffee. So there are actually two different species of coffee. There are, I think, about 100 species of coffee. The most common two are Robusta and Arabica. Robusta, and I am saying this with a little bit of bias, it's true, but it's, it's a cheaper, low-grown, sun-grown coffee. So Robusta beans are typically grown, they can be grown in flat fields and open sun. They are hard, big, bitter beans that are packed with caffeine, and I would say what's the worst way, it's a uh, it's not bitter, but it's that coffee that makes your mouth pucker. Cause it's just not good. Like when it hits your tongue, it just tastes bitter in a bad way and often leaves an awful dirty aftertaste in your mouth. It's very, it's much cheaper coffee. I think dirty aftertaste is a good way to put it. I know when I have a really, I'm going to say cheap cup of coffee. Yeah, it's, it's, it is much less expensive because it's sun grown. So Robusta crops can get multiple crops per year where Arabica, which is high grown, shade grown, they're smaller beans, they only get one maximum two crops per year. Robusta gets multiple crops per year. That because the plants are growing in direct sun, they grow very fast, they grow very big, the beans get very big. Arabica grows very high in very demanding, difficult conditions where it's searching for water, searching for sunlight, kind of like fine wine. It's a very slow-growing bean, which is what makes it so flavorful and which al- what allows the sugars, which creates the coffee flavors, to really develop yum, yum, in the bean. Yum, yum, my tum-tum. Yes. Robusta will never have that type, the same flavor and nuance of flavor and character and structure and strength, actually, of the Arabica bean because it grows so quickly, where the Arabica bean really has to struggle to grow and survive. It's really like survival of the fittest. The best coffee is the coffee that really doesn't get a lot of resources. The roots have to go very deep into the ground to get water. The leaves really have to search for sunlight. The beans you get are like the the cream of the crop. It's really, I would say, survival of the fittest when you're talking about Arabica or Robusta. It's like anything goes. I like to think of Arabica like when I really stress my plants, my flowering plants. Mm. They flower more beautifully. Mm. But I stress them, even like an orchid, right? You have to be very careful with the way you, an orchid is tender. You have to be very careful with the way you water it. But if it yes. gets what it needs, it, it, it just flowers so gorgeously and beautifully. And that's what an Arabica bean is like. Yeah. Or I would say like wine. Like if anyone who knows anything about wine, it's very similar. They grow in, I wouldn't say similar conditions, but in dry, much more arid conditions, even though the canopies in coffee Growing forests and old growth forests get moisture every day. The actual coffee plants don't. They have to search for it from the ground. And so on a retail perspective, Arabica is a much higher grade coffee. It's more expensive and it's less available than Robusta. 
Right. If your coffee is very inexpensive. You're drinking Robusta. Some people right. love Robusta. We don't use any Robusta. Some really good coffee companies mix their espresso blend, maybe like 80% Arabica, 20% Robusta to give it that kick. Some people enjoy that. So to sum up, there is more than one kind of coffee bean. Yep. And you should be looking for an Arabica bean when you purchase your coffee. Yes. And then within that, for anyone who really wants to go down a rabbit hole, there are different varietals, varieties of Robusta and of Arabica, which we're not going to go into today. But if somebody wants to get very nuanced. Our Peaberry friend is aware of this. Yes. Yes. Okay. So do you want to go on to the next question? Yes. Let's. Okay. Do you think that the place where the coffee grows has anything to do with the way it tastes? Or would coffee taste the same no matter where it came from? I would think it does make a difference, same as any other, you know, vegetable or something like that. Okay, good. Let's go on. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Can you elaborate on that a little? Well, I would assume that where how the environment that it's grown in, so the type of soil, the fertilization of the soil, as well as how much rain it might get or any other kind of things that the farmer might do would adjust how the coffee is grown. Therefore, that changes how the beans are going to be. Therefore, the taste is changed or flavor, all that kind of stuff. And our enthusiasts? I have read that it does. But I haven't compared that for myself. Uh, I'm not not sure. Okay. So I stopped there because our aficionado had talked about terroir in our previous discussion. Okay. And he's aware that the profile is dependent upon what is growing in the soil by the coffee beans. Yeah. So I thought that the novice actually gave a great description. Didn't she? Yeah, she did. And Yeah. And for those who didn't have a reply, I think that's fair. I think many people are surprised to learn that coffee is actually the seed of a coffee flower <laughs> and a fruit. So uh, starting and at a that. a coffee cherry, right? Yes, a coffee cherry. Yes, so good, great job. Great answers. Growing conditions, locations, makes an extreme impact on coffee. Coffee grown in volcanic soil tastes very different than coffee grown in more of a clay soil, light moisture, surrounding plants and vegetation, all of those make a massive impact on the final coffee flavor. So coffee that grows around chocolates tends to pick up chocolate notes. Coffee that grows around spices is going to have more spice notes inherent to it because the soil has more spice. Flavoring that just seeps up kind of through the soil. So yes. I mean, I was very impressed with both Nikki and Maria, who are our novices, yeah, they gave great replies. I don't have much to add to that. <laughs> you can talk about terroir and get very detailed, but I think in terms of an overview, I don't know who was the second person, the second novice, but she gave a great reply. She talked about moisture and sunlight, to- soil, elevation. Right? Amazing. Yeah, she did a great job. Yeah, I'm very impressed with these people. Yeah, they did a great job. I mean, I think what we personally look for in terms of an overview, if you were looking at the back of a coffee bag trying to find something we look for coffee that is high grown and shade grown meaning that high grown to have the designation of high grown it has to be grown over 4,000 feet above sea level and to have the designation of shade grown it means that coffee is grown under some form of shade sometimes that's a natural canopy which would be a natural layer of I guess multiple layers of vegetation that 
surround the coffee plant and protect it from direct sun. Often you'll see the term old growth forest or natural shade canopy. A canopy can also be a man-made tarp, but there will be some form of shade protecting that bean from direct sunlight. We also look at soil types. So a lot of our coffees are grown in volcanic soil, which is just really a lot of the uh, coffee belt is made up of volcanic ranges. (laughs) So that's why we have a lot of coffee grown in volcanic soil, but volcanic soil is very mineral rich and adds a lot of texture and and nuanced flavors to beans. It's great complexity and balance. I was about to say, talk about a complex coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have our coffees in Sumatra, which are grown on in volcanic soil, but then they're also grown somewhat wild in these beautiful forests where there's a lot of peppers and spices and herbs that grow alongside the coffee plants and the coffees do pick up nuances and traces of those flavors. Where in South America and Africa, Central America, I would say probably more Central America and Africa, they're growing more around fruit trees, yeah, mangoes, fruit trees. Yeah. Yeah. berries. So you get the actual soil, the surrounding environment, and then the atmosphere all play a huge role in a coffee's final flavor. Yeah, I'm going to say it again. Yum, yum for my tum-tum. I love coffee. Okay. Okay. I love coffee too. We love coffee. If you haven't noticed, guys, Nicole and I love coffee. Okay. So I'm going to round out today's episode with talk of one of my favorite ways to drink coffee, which is espresso. Okay. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Here we go. So what is espresso? (laughs) I do not know. (laughs) Okay. Do you think it's a type of coffee? Yes. She knew you were setting her up for a trick question there. Here's our second uh, novice or coffee fan. Okay. Um, I know it's served as a shot and it's okay. usually really strong and that is the extent of what I know. Is it a type of coffee? I think there's an espresso bean, so yes. Here are our coffee enthusiasts. A type of coffee. A type of coffee. So meaning it's like an espresso bean? I believe so, yes. And? Yeah, I know espresso. So what is it? Is it a type of coffee? Yeah, uh, I think it's like a, like really strong, finely ground coffee mm. that's like really like concentrated. I know it's like in a little cup. Is, is there a specific type of coffee that is espresso? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love his answers. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to just play our aficionado and then we can have a real discussion about what an espresso is, okay? A mm-hmm. uh, very small cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> is it a normally, type of coffee? Uh, it is not a type of coffee. It's a roast of coffee. Okay. So, yeah, and we knew this, right? We knew there was confusion about what espresso is. Yes, this one, I have to say, this is a little painful. This makes me feel like we've got to do a little bit more work. educating people. Yeah. We have some work. And it is confusing. So espresso, I, I understand why people think espresso is just a drink because that is how they experience it. But espresso is actually, it can be a drink. It can be a brew method. Really, espresso is just a drink. Any coffee can be used 
to create an espresso. Any coffee. Any coffee. You can do it with a breakfast blend. When I make my coffee cocktails, I will use a flavored coffee to make an espresso. In the Boston market, most of our espresso customers use a Sumatra Italian blend. So they don't use the espresso blend. We have an espresso blend, which is roasted to a French roast shade. We call it espresso blend. Yeah, it's got a bright close. It's have, wonderful. It's a, it's a really complex blend. We use five different coffees in it. But it's actually roasted to a French roast shade. So it's technically a French roast, even though it's an espresso blend. They also have espresso machines. It's it, Espresso is a particular brew method. It's a pressure brew method that is very specific. Yeah, espresso is a brew method. And a drink. And then you drink an espresso. While many companies serve a bean that they call an espresso, any coffee can be used to make an espresso. Yes. Okay, I was just reiterating that. Yes, you know, it's a pressure brew method. So in Italy, they have something called a stovetop espresso, which... Which I love. It's great, and it creates a drink that's very similar to what you get from an espresso machine because it's another form of pressure brewing. But at the end of the day, the most basic answer is espresso is a drink. It can be a coffee blend. It can denote the type of coffee that is produced by a particular machine. It can be a shot, it can be a double, but it is, at the end of the day, the most basic response is espresso is a drink, like a latte or mocha. Right. And then people use espresso to create drinks, like a cappuccino. Yes. Okay. Espresso is a drink, it's not a bean. You can use any kind of coffee to make an espresso. Yes. It's produced with a pressure brew method, so yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask another question about espresso now. You ready? Okay. Okay. Do you think espresso has more caffeine, less caffeine, or the same amount of caffeine as a regular cup of coffee? I had always thought more. I'm going to make the assumption that it has more caffeine than a regular cup. And I'm going to stop and say that I said a six-ounce cup. So the one thing here, too, would be the roast. I'm going to answer this as if it's a medium or a full-city roast. (laughs) I mean, we can go there, but they're just thinking if I order an espresso or I order a cup of coffee in the store. Yeah. Okay. So those were our two novices. I think it's about the same. You know, I would guess that it has the same amount of caffeine, just in a smaller amount. I think he means a smaller volume. And here is our aficionado. That's a good question. I know you're going to... It's. Pointless. I'm not trying to trick you. <laughs> I've asked I, you many I, questions where the answer was yeah. right there in the question. They're not phrased any particular way. I'm going to say it's probably got as much or less. Nicole. Yes. Let's give a definitive answer. Typically, a single shot of espresso is going to have less... I mean, it will have less caffeine than a regular six ounce cup of coffee. So a shot of espresso has anywhere between 30 and 50 milligrams of caffeine, whereas a cup of coffee has anywhere between 65 and 120. Right. And I'm going to go back to something we talked about before, which is that many espressos have a little bit of Robusta mixed in. Yes. Which changes the situation a little bit. It does. If you're comparing Robusta to Arabica or an Arabica Robusta blend to Arabica, that will change it. And that could tip the scale 
in favor of espresso depending on that blend com- composition. But if you're looking at like a high, you know, any Arabica bean actually it doesn't even have to be a high grade. The same coffee made into a six ounce cup or a shot of espresso. Yes. Yeah, so if we took our French roast or our, our espresso blend and made a shot of espresso or six ounce cup of coffee, that six ounce cup of coffee is going to have more caffeine. And I think what's interesting too, I'm just going to throw this in. I know it's a different question, but if you're really looking for a kick in the morning and you have the option of either an espresso, even a single or a double, or a six or eight ounce cup of medium roast or light roast coffee, go for that medium or light roast coffee because caffeine is burned off during the roasting process. Right. So if you're looking at an espresso that's made with a darker roast coffee, you've also reduced the amount of caffeine in that coffee. What you just said was great because different roasts also may be preferred to be drunk at different times, right? Yes. So in the morning, go for a breakfast blend. Bold, caffeine-packed. Yes, I love my breakfast blend. The, the breakfast blend that we use, we've actually been drinking it here all week. It really does go great with breakfast foods. It's our lightest medium roast, and it just wakes you up a few sips, and you, you don't get that rush, but you are awake. Right. And you're with it, so. Right, and maybe after dinner, maybe you go for that for darker. Roast. Yeah. Yeah, that darker roast, less caffeine. Much less caffeine. Also has less caffeine, right? Caffeine Bonus. is burned off during roasting. So the darker you go, the less ca- – which is the darker you go, the more pronounced the roast flavor is, which can give the perception that it's going to be bolder or stronger, even though you're just getting that darker roast flavor on your tongue. It actually has less caffeine. <laughs> so. Right, and there's that thing with bold and strong not yeah. being the same thing. Correct. It could have a bold flavor, but it's not a strong. It's strong as how it's brewed, and that has nothing to do with the amount of caffeine. Yes, you could have. You could drink a cup of mud that is just over extracted and very heavy, and not it, it may still. It will still have less caffeine than you know a similar sized medium or light roast. Right. In general, right. most often, certain beans have slightly more caffeine than other beans, but that's I think a topic for a different day. Right. And we just went off a little bit, but to sum that up, if you're looking for a caffeine jolt, an espresso shot is not going to give you more caffeine. Correct. So just have a cup of breakfast blend, have a cap, cup of a medium or a light roast coffee if you want to look for that caffeine. Yeah. For me personally, Kenyan beans, naturally they're just very high in caffeine content where Yemen's are naturally very low. So when I need to really wake up if I'm having a day where I'm struggling... I go for my, I go for Kenya. Kenya drip. I'll make an espresso with Kenya and I'll put a shot in my large Italian roast because I'm insane like that. I'm insane like that. Whatever works. That's where I ended it today. Okay. I know, you know, I couldn't really say that you weren't insane because, you know, I don't like, I'm just joking. Don't lie on the podcast. I am a little crazy. I mean, you've been listening, guys. I'm a little crazy. I did hit my head this week, too, though, so I'm not responsible. Well, guys, thank you for joining us. Cindy and I could go down a rabbit hole here, so we're not going to. No. With whether or not she's crazy or I'm crazy and which one of us is responsible or not. So we're just going to stop the podcast. <laughs> and this concludes this episode of Coffee with the Queen. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you tune back in next week. Many of the things that we discussed today are available on our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com. And if you'd like to learn more about our coffee or about us, please visit our website, thequeenbean.com. We hope you will join us next week for part three. Guys, if you have any suggestions about what our next series should be, please email us at info at We're always looking 
for new ideas and suggestions. So we appreciate any input you could give us. And we look forward to hearing from you. you. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Hope you have a great week. Bye. Bye.